0: This is Getting to know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert.:
1: All of us have had interruptions in our lives due to COVID-19 crisis. It's interrupted our work lives, our, our, our religious lives, worship services. It's, it's a, even your work has been erupted. And it has also caused a change in the production of Getting to Know Your Bible. I know you've seen that change. It is our prayer that very soon we'll be back to a regular type of production. But we solicit your prayers, your patience and your viewership during this time of interruption. It is our prayer that God will bless you with good health and that your family will stay well and safe. And may God bless us all as we go through this crisis.
0: To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580. Or call toll free, 1 877 711
1: 5214. Winston Churchill was speaking on one occasion at Harrah Prep School. And the man introducing Churchill went on and on. After all, think of all the things you could say about that man. And finally it came time for Churchill to speak. He stood up and this is what he said. Never, never, never give up. Have you ever wondered why some people seem to give up on life? Well, there might be lots of reasons for that. I, I think a lot of people today are, are looking at world circumstances and, and they see all that's going on in our world and they almost are ready to give up. So sometimes people are ready to give up on life because they're, they're having problems at home. Maybe there's a, a problem between the husband and the wife or a problem between the parents and the children. Sometimes people lose heart in living because they're having financial problems. I don't know of anything that's more discouraging than to having problems financially. So there are lots of reasons possibly that people give up on life. But when Paul wrote in Second Corinthians chapter four, beginning in verse 16, "For which cause we faint not." For though our outward man perish, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, the things which are not seen are temporal, but the things which are seen, are eternal. Now, Paul said, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to lose heart. I'm not going to faint by the way. Why? Because I'm not looking at the things that are seen. I'm looking beyond that to the things that you cannot see. Fact is, there's more to life than meets the eye. I'm thinking about an interesting story found over in 2 Kings, the sixth chapter. When God's people were being invaded by the Syrians, they were surrounded and and the prophet's servant looked out and he said, and this is my explanation of it, we're surrounded. We're surrounded. And, and this is what the prophet said to his servant. They're more with us than there are with them. In my mind, I can see that servant looking out again and seeing the vast army that is around them and and then he said the man says they're more with us than they are with them where are they and that's when the prophet said lord open his eyes that he may see and when the lord opened his eyes he could see that surrounding them were horses and chariots of fire there was god's army there to protect them and to be with them There's more to life than than meets the eye. There are a lot of reasons that people give up on life. Paul said, I refuse to give up. I'm not going to give up. Why not, Paul? Because I'm not looking at the things that are seen. I'm looking at the things that are unseen. I'm looking at the things in the realm of the unseen, such as God and Christ and the holy spirit and and angels and and the and and heaven itself all of those are in the realm of the unseen what will seeing the unseen do for you let's think about that for just a moment Let, let's think about what seeing the unseen will do for you That is, having faith in those things that you're not able to see with the human eye. Well, one of the things that seeing the unseen will do for you is to help you live above the world. And sometimes that's not a very easy thing to do, is it? Because the whole world has its allurements. It will help us to live a life of purity, And to talk about purity in such an impure age as ours is about as out of date as uh, some kind of an old Ford that was made in the 20s or 30s. You see, we need to see the unseen because it will help us live better lives and keep us away from the impurities of life. Christians are marching to the tune of a different drummer today. Let us remember that. Paul told Timothy, and keep yourself pure, stay pure. In James 1:27, the Bible says that pure religion, undefiled before God and the Father is this, to, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and, listen to him, to keep yourself unspotted from the world. That's not always an easy thing to do, is it? There was a group of children that were going on a field trip, and of all places to go, they were going to go in a coal mine. And one of the little girls showed up wearing a beautiful little white dress. And the guide told the little girl, says, you may be wearing that white dress into the coal mine, but I can't guarantee you, honey, that it's going to be that pretty and that white when you come out. In other words, she could have that dress spotted and stained, by being in the coal mine. And so we need to be sure that we live in a world that is filled with with spots and wrinkles and all kinds of evil and impurities. But there's a way that you and I can live in this world and not be spotted and stained. Now, if you were to go to someone's home and they had a nice fireplace in their home and they had been burning wood in that fireplace and 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 you saw that the fireplace was filled with all kinds of soot and ashes and the like if you were to get on the roof of that house and you took a white handkerchief and you tied a long string to that handkerchief how could you let that handkerchief go down through that chimney without it getting stained? You say, well, I don't see how you could do that, Brother Lambert. Well, there's one way I could do it. I'd put that white handkerchief inside a paper bag. I'd try that string to the top of the paper bag and I'd let the handkerchief inside the bag drop down through that chimney. And then I'd take the handkerchief out and it would be as clean and pure looking as it was when I started the the descent the down through the chimney. But I'd keep it isolated and insulated from all the impurities in that chimney. You see, that's the way that we stay pure in an impure world. We have to stay isolated and insulated away from the world. Let me give you a Bible example of how that's done. I'm sure that if you study the Bible at, at all, that you're you're familiar with the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. He's the young man had a coat of many colors, and, and his brothers, according to Acts chapter 7 and verse 9, were envious of him. They envied their brother for that reason. They tried to get rid of him, and they sold him eventually to some slave traders came, coming by, and Joseph found himself in the land of Egypt, in a foreign land. And Joseph then was eventually put in in second-in-command in all of the land of Egypt. You see, he was now in Potiphar's house, and he was put in charge of everything in Potiphar's house except one thing, Potiphar's wife. And day after day after day, Potiphar's wife would come to young Joseph. But from all accounts reading the Bible, he seemed to be a rather handsome young man, And she came and said to him, come lie with me. I want you to come to my bedroom, Joseph. But Joseph refused. You see, here's a young man who knew how to say no. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 9, we find out what Joseph said to her. He said, I can't do that and sin. Well, it would have been a sin, but against whom? Would it have been, but against Potiphar? Yes. Would it have been against the woman? Yes. Would it have been against himself? Yes. Would it have been against his parents? Yes. But that's not what Joseph said. I can't do that, and sin against my God. Joseph believed in a God that you couldn't, he could not see, and his seeing that unseen God helped him to overcome temptation in his life and to live a life of purity. Seeing the unseen will enable one to live a life of faithfulness. The book of Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians, Hebrew Christians, people who had lived under the mosaical system a system that was filled with all kinds of pop and, and ceremony and ritual. And they left that behind and they became just simple New Testament Christians. And there was a danger that once they became Christians, that they would start comparing this simplicity of Christianity with all of the pop and ritual to which they had been accustomed in the Old Testament, under the Old Testament, and they would, there would be that temptation for them to go back. And so the book of Hebrews was written to keep them faithful. For example, in chapter 2 and verse 1, that, that the writer says, Well, to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Now that's the reading of the King James Version. Now let me read to you out of the New King James Version, lest at any time we should drift away from them. You see, there was the danger that they would drift. And so the book of Hebrews was written to keep them from drifting. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews, the third chapter, and in verse 12, there the writer says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of what? Of unbelief in departing from the living God. And so they're being warned to stay faithful to Christ. Now, when you turn to the 11th chapter of Hebrews, we have an entire chapter devoted to faith. And it tells us now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things that do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous God testifying of his gifts. And by he being dead yet speaketh, By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony. What was that testimony? That he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, things not seen as yet, moved with fear prepared an art to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive, for inheritance obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. All of these are examples of faith. Somebody says, but Brother Lambert, I don't understand faith. You talk about seeing the unseen and believing in a God you cannot see. What is faith? Well, that's a very interesting question, and I think that it's an important question. Suppose we were to ask your neighbors to give a definition of faith. You get out in your neighborhood, wherever you live, wherever you may be watching uh, this uh, uh, at this time, and you were to ask them, what is faith? How would they answer Some of them might say, well, you know, faith is having confidence in someone or confidence in something, or or faith is trusting. And all of those ideas and definitions are are really, they have merit, of course, they have merit. But now, how does the Bible define it? Listen to verse one again. I just read it to you from Hebrews 11. Now faith is. I know this is going to explain faith when it says faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You see, to the person of faith, the unseen is not unreal, it is merely unseen. Now, someone may say, well, I object to that, and and I don't really believe that because it's impossible to to believe in things you're not able to see. Well, I believe in air, don't you? But I've never seen it. I'm living off of it right now, but I can't see it out here in front of me. There's the law of gravity. Have you ever seen gravity? I've never seen gravity, I've seen it demonstrated. And were it not for for gravity and the law of gravity, Rather than my being here in front of you like I am, I'd be floating around up in the air and that'd be a rather ridiculous sight, would it not? Faith is believing what you can't see. There's so many things we believe in we can't see. Are you having a thought right now? Have you ever seen your thoughts? There are many things that we take by faith and it's based on evidence. Our faith is based on certain evidence or testimony. You see, I believe With all of my heart, that at one time, our nation was involved in what we refer to as the Civil War. Now, I've never understood in my thinking how any war could be civil, uh, because it seems to be the most uncivil thing that you could possibly do is to fight and kill each other. But that's what it was called. And I believe that at one time, there was a war between the North and the South. Now, the reason I believe that and accept that by faith is because of certain evidence that I have seen. Well, what evidence have I seen? Well, I have visited the battlefield at Shiloh. And I have seen all of the relics that have been left behind that that was of the battle of Shiloh, the battle that was fought at Shiloh. There are the cannons and all the other artillery there that was used in that battle. I've been to other locations where battles were fought during the Civil War. I take that evidence to to cause me to believe that there was actually a war that was fought. I believe George Washington at one time was the president of our country, the very first president of our country. And the reason I believe that is because not only do I have his picture, on dollar bills that I occasionally have in my wallet, but I, there is a, 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 our capital is called Washington, D.C., and is named after him. And there are other evidences that just tell us that he lived and at one time was the president of this country. Somebody says, well, what about God? What about Jesus? What about the spirit world? What's our evidence? The evidence is the revealed word of God what we call the Bible. Romans 10, 17 tells us faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we need to have faith and faith is based on evidence. It's based upon certain testimony. Now our faith in things we cannot see help us to live Faithful lies, that is, we'll not turn our backs upon God. Isn't it sad that in America, so many people who at one time may have professed faith in God, no longer believe in God, they've turned their backs upon God. And, And that's a sad thing indeed. But it's by walking by faith that we can stay close to Him. Now, we're to walk by faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. Have you ever wondered why some people seem to get a joy out of being a Christian and they're just bubbly about their Christianity and, and they're always happy, always smiling. Oh, they have bad days, of course, but they're always smiling and happy. It's because they're walking by faith and not by sight. They have a faith in that which you cannot see. Believing in the unseen can help us to remain faithful to our Lord. But seeing the unseen also, also will send us out into the fields of service. It will help us to serve other people and not just ourselves. Now, here's an example of that, and that's the example of Jesus. It was Jesus' ability to see what he couldn't see that helped him to go to the cross for us. Listen to Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse number 1. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let, let us lay aside the weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Jesus went to the cross because of the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? Jesus knew that he was dying for the salvation of people that, that were not even yet born. He died for us. He died for you. He died for me when he went to that cross. And it was Jesus seeing what he could not see at that time that caused him to become the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Folks, our seeing the unseen will help us serve mankind. Do you know someone that's hungry right now? Do you pass them by? Do you know someone that's in need of clothing right now? Do you know someone that needs their uh, utility bill paid right now? Do, Do you know people that have needs right now? Do you know some widow that needs someone to go and cut her grass for her? The world is filled with needs. Let us not pass them by. But may our faith in God, our seeing the unseen, cause us to go out into the fields of service. Now, let me just mention one other thing that seeing the unseen will do for you. Seeing the unseen will bring you consolation When it comes time to leave this world, now, there there are a lot of things that we don't know. I don't know when Christ is coming back. There's no one who has that information. Jesus said that. But there's one thing I do know, that one day I'm going to die, and after that will come the judgment. That's written in Hebrews 9, 27. But what about dying? You know, Paul looked at death as a home-going. As a matter of fact, in Philippians 1, he said for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Is gain. In verse 23 of that same chapter, he said, I, I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. So Paul saw death as something far better. How, how could a man feel that way is because he could see the unseen. I want you to think about an example in the Bible. I want you to think about the example of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 7 Stephen had given a great defense of his faith and it angered the people. It angered the Jewish rulers. And they gnashed on him with their teeth, the Bible says in Acts chapter 7. And they took him outside the city and they were stoning Stephen to death. And the Bible says that as they were stoning him, he saw the heavens open, and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne of God. A preacher by the name of B.C. Goodpastor used to say, as it were, the Lord was standing to receive the sainted dead. Elsewhere in Scripture, Jesus is always pictured as being seated at that right hand. But here he's pictured as being standing to receive Caesar. What do you suppose those people were throwing stones that Stephen would have thought if they knew that Jesus, that Stephen was looking at Jesus at the right hand of the throne of God? May God help us to have a strong faith in the days in which we live. May God help us to walk by faith, to live by faith, to fight the good fight of faith, and of all things, help us to be faithful to the Lord. At the end, the Lord will say to his own, Well done, well done, good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joys of thy Lord. May God help us all day in and day out to walk in the footsteps of the Lord, and that will help us to remain faithful to Him. May God bless you, is my prayer.
0: We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.